0: are now listening to The Awakened Soul. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: we're back. This is The Awakened Soul. This is Hayes in the building. We got a hell of a show planned for you. I know I say that every week, but hopefully you guys agree that every show is a hell of a show. Um I'm I am i am excited to talk to you guys. today. I'm excited for what this podcast is. Um at the end of this podcast, I have the biggest interview I have ever and may will ever do on this podcast. It's it's an amazing and touching interview that I hope that a lot of people really understand and I'm not overblowing this at all. At least not for me. It's just on a personal level that interview was just it it's touching. Um but uh just a couple house housekeeping issues. Um I I got a lot of feedback over the last week about the length of our podcast. While I can't always promise you that our podcasts are going to be short, I think this one's going to be on the shorter end. I will say that from now on in the description, I will start putting timestamps of when each segment starts and what is in that segment. That way, for example, if you don't necessarily like the Marvel talk, but you want to come and hear the stay woke segment, or you want to hear the cypher, you know exactly where those start at. So you don't have to listen through the whole podcast necessarily. If, if, Because I can't promise you every week is going to be, every segment is going to be something that everyone wants to hear. I do think you guys should all listen to it just because, you know, I mean, I'm entertaining the people I have on are entertaining. But I can definitely understand, especially I think last week's podcast was like two hours. So um, speaking of, I left the Easter egg at the end of last week's podcast. It was after, in the middle of the ending song. Um, So a lot of people may have not got to hear that as a train passes by. But, uh, you know, go back and listen to that one. It was the follow-up to something else that happened earlier in the podcast. Um, Anything else? Uh, I'm going to get into a few things uh, in this podcast. The Cypher, as I kind of hyped last week, is going to be about Wu-Tang Clan and their legacy. I got a very special guest, Billy Ray Valentine, on to talk about that one. Um, We also have uh, an interview with uh, someone who's... Doing a calendar promoting uh, positive body image. And so you know, it's a little different for the awakened soul, but no, it's definitely some content there. And of course, as I tend to do with everything, we cracked it open and broke it down to almost a psychological level on a few different things. So even if you necessarily don't want to hear for the promotion of the calendar, which you should, because it's just a great calendar. The person that behind it is great and it has a good mind and there's a good message behind that calendar. So definitely go out and support that. Once you hear that segment, I think you guys will agree. Um, also, you know, as always, we have the stay woke segment, which I like, I don't really like warning you guys what the Staywalk segment is going to be, but I like you guys to go into a kind of dry in a sense and just really find out what it's going to be and crack that open, Um, but you know, enough, pre- pre- no, I do have one more thing before we get into our, our music and actually start the actual podcast is, um, I've been networking like crazy, next week I do have a guest from uh, the over- Oversaturated Podcast, uh, Mind of Ralph, Ralph, uh, they do good work over there. They're very kind of similar to what I do here uh, as far as that they cover a lot of stuff. Now, they don't do it all in one show. So their show could one week be about something in film and TV. The next week it could be about music and they're intelligent guys. At some point, I want to have both of them on. Um, Ralph will be on next week. So be on the lookout for that. Go check them out. And then also I got interviewed on Sex With Strangers, which is not as bad as it sounds Um, as far as uh, the the podcast. Go and check them out as well. Um, Jackson from from there, he's also lived in St. Louis a long time, which is where I lived. So check that one out. Um, Enough. Enough prefacing, I know I, I do this every week I like you to get you guys warmed up I like to get you guys ready you Hear my voice before I start just going off about something This is The Awakened Soul You guys are going to hear the wonderful intro music That we have and on the side of that We're going to go off the rip with Hayes
0: soul
1: Soul. the The awakened soul I just want to send uh, well wishes to anyone who's been affected anyone who's had family affected by Hurricane Harvey you know thoughts and prayers goes out to everyone there um it, you know, and this is this is is a time where us as people, as Americans, all need to come together. And you, you've seen some great pictures, some great photos, some great words, and just from celebrities and everyone who's who's been out here trying to help the victims of Hurricane Harvey. You know, I I unfortunately am not able to go down there and to do anything, but I have donated food, clothes, and money to that cause. And I I really would like. Everyone to donate a little something I understand yes times can be hard we all do have to take care of our own families but well I think this is this is a time where you need to let that humanity come through and even if maybe if it makes it a little tougher on you for a week or so you know do something to help out those people who've been affected by that i I could never imagine being in that situation by myself much less with kids and a family and you know that it's it's just hard, and, and and it and it definitely is saddening. And I wanted to start off this actual first segment of the show by mentioning that. And you know, uh, donate however you can. That that's all I can say. I, I can't stress that enough. Check the means that you're donating to because some things have come out about some misappropriation of funds and and things not really getting channeled into where they need to go. So do your research on whatever organization that you decide to donate to, but definitely try to find a way to donate. I just I can't stress that enough Um, to go from kind of a somber subject to subject that honestly just pissed me off. Lonzo Ball made comments that. Nas is not real hip-hop, and I'm paraphrasing it, this is not the exact quote, Um, but no one listens to Nas, Uh, I believe Migos and someone else he said are are hip-hop now, (sighs) everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm I'm the music guy, like I love music, I I think you guys hear my passion in the Cypher segment, anytime I talk about music, definitely going to hear someone who's probably even more passionate about music in the Cypher segment today. But it's, it's 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 comments like that, that that's the reason why I worry about our young people. not in the sense that I get it. To, to him, hip hop probably is that because that's what he's coming of, coming under. But to say that no one listens to Nas, you don't have to disrespect an older generation to like, it, it just screams ignorance. And Nas of all people, it, it would have been different if he mentioned someone who, like, isn't one of the best to ever do it? Like, it, you went right to the top. Um, and it's just, it's just idiotic. And, and, you know, like I said, I don't give out awards for idiots or whatever, but I am today. Lonzo Ball, I'm sorry, but you are the
2: stupid idiot
1: of the week on my book. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, I, I, I hope that someone close to Lonzo Ball gets him to really listen to some, some, true hip-hop and the thing is is that i was on on twitter uh me me michelle's and fame black got into a conversation based off this and uh fame as always you know he's the voice almost of the millennials even though he's not really a millennial um made some points as far as generation and music changing and all that and i get all that yes music does it change change and evolve but is music really evolving like the rap game is that an evolution is that a stagnation is that just something off to the left is that a is is it devolving it's a lot to be said there but like i like i said on twitter and i'm not really trying to attack any group here is that art emceeing true music and not just rap is an art and art is timeless so it doesn't matter about generations like, I can go back and listen to rap from before I was born, and still, it elicits a feeling. It, it elicits thinking. And like I said, it's it's not about the sound necessarily. It's about the substance of the music, for me at least. But I don't care if you are a mumble rapper. I don't care if you rap fast. I don't care if, if, if you're flashy. It's It's more about, okay, what is the substance in what either you're doing or your music is doing? And that's what attaches me to artists and i think a lot of people are like that as well so you know his comments i wanted to mention i'm not going to go all the way into it because it's a whole mindset the thing of breaking down the mindset in music between the mindset and music when i was coming up it, 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 that needs to honestly be its own segment and maybe we will have that one day and there like i said there's a lot to unpack there as with most things that we do on The Awakened Soul. But I definitely wanted to mention that because that is something that I had a little bit of an issue with and I wanted to give out that stupid idiot award because that was just that was just idiotic comments, man. And he's young, so maybe we'll give him a pass. Hopefully, at some point, he he learns a little bit better from that. Um, the next thing that I wanted to mention, and it just kind of comes back to what I talked about last episode, and that was Colin Kaepernick, um, the Cleveland Browns. You know, a lot of their players kneeled during the anthem. And then we got um, Daniel Nemeth um, told Fox News that taking a knee is disrespectful to the flag. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. And um, it's something that he was not going to be a part of. And so what happened is that a lot of police officers, EMTs, public service people, Said that they were not going to hold the flag during Cleveland Browns games, um, and so uh, this this came about after meetings reportedly from uh, city officials uh, who I guess all kind of banded together to talk about this and this and this is ultimately what happened. Uh, the Cleveland Browns franchise d- decided to now that they're going to use military personnel um, going forward, and you know they they did come out with a statement, which is more power to them because there's a lot of. Uh, of organizations who would not have really came out with the statement on this. And I'm going to read the statement, uh, word for word is that as an organization, we have a profound respect for our country's national national anthem flag and the service men and service women in the United States and abroad. We feel it is important for our team to join in this great tradition and special moment of recognition at the same time, we also respect the great liberties afforded by our country, including the freedom of personal expression. Hats off to that statement. I definitely feel that that's a statement that, you know, it, it, it can be used to support both sides. It seems like the very understanding of both sides of this argument. Um, and this it, it begs. A question and I kind of said that I don't feel taking the knee, sitting down during the national anthem is necessarily disrespectful to the flag. I just I, I don't. We, we do have the right to protest. Um, so that's just my personal thing. But the people who do feel disrespected by that, you know, they still they still their morals. And that's something that as someone who's saying, let's support people who decide to protest in that way, I can't necessarily be against this like it it, it would just, that would just be a contradiction to my overall thing is is that you know protest your way if you feel it no one necessarily came out of here you know how some people do now in this generation and everyone's a Nazi when they do something everyone's the worst thing since Hitler they didn't do that they saw something that they didn't agree with so they chose not to take part of it but what does that say what does everyone else feel about this and what does this say for uh, our our presidents does it set for things to continue because it seems like the NFL it, it's becoming a place now where this is becoming more. We got Marshawn Lynch doing it. You know it's 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 becoming more widespread, and you know this to think this all started with Colin Kaepernick um, of all people. Like it's it's what ultimately is going to happen with this? Are we going to see the NFL come out and put a stipulation on their players? To do that, then does the NFL union fight back on that? That this can have effects that we aren't necessarily seeing right now. Should this continue and should it to become more widespread? And you know, what what happens? I mean, this is basically what I have to leave it out of. Personally, I would hate to see that happen, um, but it is happening on the national stage, and that is the thing that is really going to show. And maybe even divide some Americans because us Americans, we love our football. And so now you have stuff like this coming in to our football and, you know, football fans can already be crazy. Where are some of the I live in Ohio, for ex, in Columbus, Ohio, where Ohio State is, for example. And that's a whole nother story. So there's a lot to be said on what this can say and how this could affect Americans watching this and kids and everything. And, you know, what do you do for your kids? For example, my son, as much as he loves football has not asked me yet about this. I don't even know if he's really seen it or pay attention to it, but what conversation do I have with my son? How do I explain this to him? This is what we as Americans kind of need to be thinking. If we have, if we have kids, especially, you know, preteens and teenagers who are seeing this and are, at that impressionable age, how do we explain this to them? How, what What's that conversation look like? Um, especially when you go behind the reasons why they're they're choosing to sit down on the national anthem. We all need to be thinking. It's it's okay to sit back and be like, "Oh, look at this," but really think of how that's going to affect the people around you, um, possibly, and and get ready to have those conversations. That that's. That's just basically it. To start off this podcast, we're now going to get into the Stay Woke segment, and it's just me by myself again, so let's go ahead and get into Stay Woke.
3: Stay Woke. Stay Woke.
1: Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Stay
3: Woke. Stay woke.
1: Stay woke. All right, so with Stay Woke this week, I, there was a few different things and different routes that I could have went with that I seriously almost made... The Lonzo Ball comments on hip hop and hip hop now versus hip hop then, and music in general almost made that stay woke segment. But I think there's something far more important to really make and and you know crack open in this segment and to talk about to see how everyone's feeling and to make certain people who may not watch the news may not pay attention to everything that's going on a little bit more aware of. And that's this whole North Korea North Korea situation. This is just getting fucking ridiculous, and it it needs it's getting to a point to where action is going to have to be taken. Um, we we got to kind of unpack this: is that we got North Korea did shoot a missile, and it went over Japan. Like let's 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 just sit that right then, uh, and and think about that. Think about how scary that had to be. For any residents that could see, or even the, the Japanese government, um, to see that a missile was shot over their territory, like let, let's 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 take that and see, think that if if it was us, if you are living anywhere in the United States, let's say you are in California, let's say you see a, a missile fly fly over California, what kind of hysteria would go through um, through our whole country just based off that? And and, and let's let's think that man, it's it's. Man, it's it's getting into really dangerous times, and this North Korea thing is going to be a problem. And this is part of what Trump talked about at the beginning of his campaign: is he's going to be tougher on North Korea, he's going to be harder on North Korea. Now it's it's almost put up or shut up time. Um, to even before we even get into our president's comments, this, this the European Union made a statement that they're ready to sharpen. Their policy and sanctions on North Korea. Um, I mean, come on now. We got North Korea doing nuclear testing. Let, let, let's, just, let's just think about how crazy this is. And I, I know you hear, I, I kind of snickered there. And it's almost a laugh to keep from crying type thing. Because this shit is getting 100% real. Um, we got Trump condemning the test saying that they're hostile and dangerous um like man and I wish bello I started to reach out to Andrew Bello to really for us to talk about this but I like I said I didn't want to keep bringing him back for heavy stuff um this is a, a potentially dangerous situation not potentially let, let me let's let me not even preface it by saying it's potentially dangerous this is a dangerous situation um you know we get Trump Having a meeting in the White House with the military leaders. Like, North Korea, let's just, like, I, I know I mentioned at the top that they, uh, it was a week or so ago, that they shot a bomb over Japan, but they tested, they detonated a hy- hydrogen bomb. Like, <laughs> this. This calls for military action. If anything called for military action, this is it. Like, this, it's seriously repercussions that need to happen. And the thing is, is that, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for our children, our cousins, our brothers, our sisters that may be serving, that ultimately now may end up being sent away to war because of this? This is not only a threat for the United States. This can be a problem for the world. North Carolina is... R- North Carolina. I don't know why I want to keep saying that. North Carolina is on my mind for some reason. Um, North Korea is a danger to the whole world because they're run by a madman. And I don't think that I think a lot of people hear about some of the actions and they they read some about it and they just think, oh, that's crazy. This bastard is crazy. But i don't think they really realize this man has killed his own family members to ensure that he stays in power if if that's what he's willing to do there what do you think he's willing to do to other nations and other countries and you know this this is and i'm, I'm going to read some of trump's um tweets here that he that he sent out sunday morning uh today actually and that is north Korea, north Korea, has conducted a major nuclear test. Their words and actions continue to be very hostile and dangerous to the United States. North Korea is a rogue nation, which has become a great threat and embarrassment to China, which is trying to help, but with little success. Man, like it, ugh, there's so much to unpack there. It's ridiculous. And then we also get um, in in in, the, in further statements is that um Trump mentioned South South Korea and says that South Korea is finding, as I have, told them, that their talk of appeasement with North Korea will not work. They only understand one thing. What do you think that one thing is? Is that one thing violence? Is it war? And what could this potentially mean to the way that we live our day-to-day lives? I I fully believe, and this is where we're gonna separate the you know, even though I'm not a reporter, the talking about world news ...to go into my personal opinion. And my personal opinion is that... ...unless there's some other way... ...unless somehow... ...Trump or any other country... or ...our combined allies... ...find a way to go in and take out... ...the leader of North Korea... ...we are going to go... ...into some stage... ...of war. And that's... ...that's not anything to take lightly. It's not anything to not be aware of... ...and not kind of watch... ...because... Even though some of you may not have family members in the military right now, as we've seen before and previously, if we go to war, I'm not saying anyone's going to be drafted. I don't think that that may ever really happen again, but people are going to be or feel the need to enlist and fight for our country. And while that brother of yours right now may be working his normal nine to five job, who's to say that once if war is declared, he doesn't decide to enlist or she your sister or like i said your best friend it could really be anybody we can all lose someone american lives can be lost not just americans like uh, uh, if these people are willing to detonate a nuclear weapon like let's just think what that what implication that could mean outside of just war if they de- detonate a nuclear weapon on United States soil again. I don't want to elicit fear in anyone, but if that were to happen, just imagine how that would change the course of history. How that would change just almost almost everything that we've come to to feel safe at being Americans. North Korea needs to be taken care of, and and I, like I said, I'm not the president. I'm not a military mind. I I, I don't know. I can't say. What way that needs to be done. But I think that we're going to see continued escalation like this. This sent fear throughout everybody. Like multiple countries like this, this, this mad man has access to nuclear weapons. You can't leave that on the table. And Andrew said as much, I think, in either our first or second stay woke segment. And I'm really echoing a, a lot of that. Just. People, please watch this. Please watch this closely. Stay aware of what's going on. Um, and this is why it's it's important enough to know who you're voting for. Know when when you go and, and these politicians that you that you're ultimately placed in an office are voting against, voting for, whatever. But this is why you need to know more of people's policies and more of what their reactions to stuff like this. This this is something that it needs to pull. Most of the, of not all Americans together because we could go to war. And again, this is this is just this is me by myself with the staywalk. I really don't have anyone else to bounce this off of. So this is uh, a lot of this is just my opinion and my me breaking down the thoughts, my thoughts on, on a lot of things that have come out. And as we get more and more to come out of this and see what what Trump and other countries are going to do with this now, you know you, you'll definitely be hearing more and more about that on this podcast. Um, let's. And I'm sorry, I know I'm starting this off really, really heavy. We're going to we're going to go ahead and and step out of the stay woke segment. Um, We're going to get into the cypher now, which is is hopefully it it lends itself to a lot more fun. Let me know, though, definitely what you think about this. If you disagree with me, what do you think Trump's uh, response could be? It's not like like I said, none of us are politicians, unless some politicians do listen to this, then definitely get back to me. But what do you think the response to this should be? You can get to me at CEO Hayes on Twitter. You can email me, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. Let me know. I'd love to talk to anyone about this. Just like I said, let me know what you think. Let's go ahead and take a brief musical break, and we're going to come on the other side of that. We're going to go into the cypher. Cash
2: rules, around me. Queen, get the money. Here we go. This yeah. I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job at second Bounced on old man, so then we moved to Shallon Land. A young youth, they're rocking the go to. Low goose, only way I began to G York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. Rolling with this one and that one. Pulling out gats for fun. But it was just a dream for the team who was a fiend. Started smoking wolves at 16 and running up in gates and Boys on Wallpool board T, my life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times just rough and chucked like left. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick gas click and went
1: all out. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners to the Awakened Soul Podcast. This is the cipher, and we're about to go ahead and step into it. But first, let me introduce my guest. Someone who I've 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 been waiting to find a subject to bring him on, cause I want to i'm a huge fan of his we're partners in this uh podcasting thing uh i've learned a lot from him over the course of this podcasting journey but uh enough prefacing it uh we got billy ray valentine in the building to talk some wu-tang clan billy ray for the awakened soul listeners let them know a little bit about yourself before we go ahead and crack into this
4: hey what's going on everybody my name is billy ray valentine listen Hayes, i just want to uh congratulate you on the awakened soul I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast. I, I listen every episode that comes out. It, it's become uh, my morning ritual. I hit you up every morning, <laughs> <laughs> every time after it comes out. I'm like, hey, uh, and we start talking about whatever the topic is that happens to be on the mind a, at the time, you know. So I, I, I'm really proud of what you're doing. I think it's a necessary thing, and um and um I'm proud of you, man. I, I really am. Like you guys always did your thing over at WWPN, but you stepped it up for this. And um, it, it's something that needs to be done. It's something that needs to happen. And I'm glad that that you found an outlet and that you found uh, a passion for it. And uh, and you're doing it, man. And and Bello is doing his thing with you. And and um and Gerald Cooper, all these people you bring on. It's like I mean, these are people from your wrestling uh uh, uh outlet, your wrestling platform that that come on here and and give. All types of outlooks on everything, you know, and it's it's just cool to listen to, and it, it's I'm I'm very much enjoying the podcast, and congratulations on that, man.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for that. I mean, it means a lot uh, coming because as with you, I know you have uh, the Infinite Fringe, which is your outside wrestling outlet, and yeah, I mean, I needed something to get out these other thoughts and other things that were going on in my head, and everyone on the WWPN felt the same way, and so you know, we we just made it this thing, even though it's it's technically my podcast. Them, you, everyone who comes on and, and is a guest helps keep pushing it and it helps keep it fresh because that's the that's the biggest thing is not just getting my voice out. There's getting different takes on it. And that that's what hopefully will give us longevity. And that, that's that's what I'm hoping for.
4: I'm pretty sure you guys will have some longevity, some quick, uh, quick about me. If you guys don't know me, um, I do reporting for one dot com over at yeah onewrestling dot com for Bill After uh, who's a a legend in the sport. It's, it's humbling to work with him. He beat me up one time outside of a bar. True story. Um, you know, uh, big Ray brought me in big Ray Hernandez say what's up to him. And uh, I, I did that. I did the professional wrestling podcast, uh, in an effort to, uh, get my feet wet in podcasting to do, uh, a conspiracy show, uh, a political show, which is what I really wanted to do. Uh, there's, there's several things. There's actually three things in my life. It's uh, politics, uh, which is politics, conspiracy all rolled in, all rolled up into one. Wrestling and music. That's what that's what my life has consisted of. So I, I really wanted to do a conspiracy podcast, and now uh, through the one wrestling uh, experience that I've been gaining, I was able to finally build the confidence to put out a conspiracy show. It took me a long, long time to finally put it out because I figured if I was going to do it, I needed to do it right. And um, I put it out and uh, now I'm on Truth Frequency Radio live from 2 to 3 p.m. every Saturday. Uh, And that's uh, truthfrequencyradio.com, iHeartRadio. You can find it there. Um, And um, it's doing really well and I'm very happy. So if, if anybody listening is into that sort of stuff, come check me out.
1: Absolutely, so definitely check that out. Um, but we are here to discuss, in my opinion, one of the best rap groups, most talented rap groups to ever do it, and that's the Wu Tang Clan. And this came about because of the, them announcing a new CD and that new single, which I've just been playing like crazy. Um, but we're, we're, just overall, before we get into it, what does
4: when you hear the name Wu Tang Clan, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, Karate, you know, or or kung (laughs) fu—I should say, kung fu fu flicks. I, I am a '90s baby, right? So this is my thing. Um, I loved kung fu flicks. It's a part of professional wrestling. If anybody's from New York City, Uh, we used to have at 12 p.m. on on Channel Five, which is now Fox. Um, maybe it was Fox back then and I just didn't even know it. Uh, they used to have 12 PM. It was professional wrestling. It was superstars of wrestling or, or challenge challenge would come on on Sundays right after superstars of wrestling. They gave an hour of Kung Fu flicks, uh, right afterwards. So that's what I would do. I would watch superstars of wrestling, watch Kung Fu flicks. And, um, uh, when Wu-Tang came out, I wasn't. I'm a, I'm a huge Wu-Tang Klang fan. I think it's, it might be, uh, in my opinion, either the number one or number two hip-hop group, in the uh, greatest hip-hop group in the history of hip-hop. So we got, we got Wu-Tang, we got Public Enemy, and we can't leave out uh, um, A Tribe Called Quest. I think those three are, are the biggest groups of all time in hip-hop. Um, and I know, uh, some people are going to say outcast and you can make an argument for outcast. Um, no, NWA? Here, uh-huh, sorry, go ahead. no,
1: no, no NWA on that list.
4: Um, not for me. Uh, okay. I, I think as far as the most, you can put them on the top five, right? You could put NWA in the top five in my opinion, but as far as the greatest in my personal opinion, I mean, I'm a Wu-Tang mark, so I'm gonna side for Wu-Tang. It's it, plus they're from my neck of the woods. Uh, public enemy has to be the number one or number two. Uh, they they started a movement. Uh, I don't think NWA started a movement or Wu-Tang Clan started a movement. Uh, public enemy started a movement. And, um, and Tribe Called Quest, that's right up my alley as well. So um, it's it's all preferences. This is just my opinion. I'm sure other people would have NWA at, at the top of their list. I, I, can, I can smuggle them into the top five. But um, Wu-Tang Clan... Is I have so many memories of the of Wu Tang Clan, and I'll tell you how I first got into Wu. Right, so over here in New York, uh, we had something. I probably probably was nationwide, but over here in New York, it was a video music box. Did you have a video music box over by you?
1: Well, no. I remember I grew up overseas, so we didn't have that.
4: Okay, all right. So, <laughs> so we had this this show it was called Video Music Boxes before MTV, but during MTV as well. It's still actually it, it may still come on in some way, shape, or form or capacity, but um that's how us in the hood how we used to get our hip hop, um and uh, it was it maintained its popularity for I want to say till up until the mid nineties and then MTV fully took that over, um but I saw uh Method Man that was the first the the first single that I was aware of, um and I was like what is that like and I'm a, I'm a little kid at the time and I turned around and I was like. It was just so gritty, so raw, you know, and, and it was so New York if, if, in retrospect. And I'm from New York, so that, that's my thing. And it was it's just – it's the, the most beautiful picture of hip-hop I can ever paint. It's uh, – the, the Method Man uh, – the, the video is awful, by the way. But the just, just watching what was going on on television and listening to the beat, I remember asking my mother for some money. I'm like, can you give me some – like, give me – $5. And I went down the block um, to a, a a record store. It was called Flipside Records. I went in there and I asked for the Method Man single. And it wasn't the Method Man single. It was the Protect Your Neck single. Method Man was on the B side. So I, I I didn't get into Protect Your Neck. I didn't want to know anything about anything else. I just wanted to listen to the Method Man. And I rewinded it and rewinded it. And I thought Method Man was just the coolest guy on the planet. Um, But right after that, I really started. I, I purchased the whole album, uh 36 Chamber," and uh, the mystery of of, uh, of chessboxing. When that came on, when I saw the video to that, it just completely blew my mind and it captured my imagination. And I not only did I want to learn kung fu, but um, I, I knew I would never be a, a rapper. But I, I really got into uh, sampling. Not that I ever did it, but I, I loved to to um, look in the liner notes, into the booklet of the CD. I would take out the booklet and see what, what the credits were so I can find out what the original song was. And I would go look it up. It's a lot easier to do now because all you got to do is go on Google, and boom, there it is. It was a lot harder back in the 90s. But it, it was it, it was part of the charm of what hip-hop was because if you were really a hip-hop head, you would go find these things out. Um, uh, Mystery of Chess Boxing was one of my favorites. Um, Method Man, I really got into Protect Your Neck. My favorite Wu-Tang member is the RZA. And um, sure, yeah, he's the leader of the whole thing. But I think he's one of the greatest producers in hip hop history. Hayes, just he—he's just so ridiculously good. And he put me on to so many different, so much different music just from his sampling. But it was so original and so different. But yet, as he had a signature sound. As soon as you heard a beat, a beat, you were like, "That's a Wu Tang beat. That's a, probably a RZA beat." You get me, Hayes?
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's basically what I would say, too. You know Riz's production, and it, it went into that whole field. Like, that whole, their first album, and then the, the the first single albums to come out of there before they came back for Woo Forever. Like, that whole just segment, section, whatever you want to call it, that whole era, it's just, they redefine sound to a certain extent like you said his sampling is is top-notch the production is top-notch in general he produced that whole first album himself and most of all their single albums as well
4: yeah he did the majority of of the production for wu-tang i know he did all the first album he did all of the first round of single albums and i want to say he did all of wu-tang forever but i'm not 100 sure on that uh but even even now, like when I listen to to enter the thirty six chamber, and I listen to the production on it, I just wish it were recorded better. Maybe they have a remastered version of it, um, because so I mean it's hard to hear the drum beat sometimes on it. But that, that's part of the charm of the album. Like it's he 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 produced most of it in his bedroom, you know, so uh it it doesn't have the same pop that a lot of hip hop beats have, and it doesn't have the finesse the sound. But the grittiness of it and, and the rawness of it is what I appreciate.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, you know, for all the talk of Thirty Six Chambers, which was a great, great album, it still holds up. Woo Forever was kind of that first hip-hop album that crossed over without really going like mainstream in a sense. Like they didn't have they they really didn't do anything for commercialization or anything. They were still True, truly, them, and I think that album went four times platinum. That's just amazing when you think about it.
4: I think that at that era, everybody was being truly them. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a stretch to say, but a lot of people were still getting over on real music. Like nowadays, you can't get. I mean, I don't want to put down anybody nowadays, and and what what's going on musically. There we do have some bright spots. You know, we have a Kendrick Lamar. We got we got I don't know, Run the Jewels or, or J Cole. Um, who else? I mean, we got uh, Earl Sweatshirt. I'm a big fan of Earl Sweatshirt. Um, uh, Action Bronson. So there is very good hip hop out there still. But a a lot of the hip hop nowadays I just cannot relate to. And maybe it's a generational thing. You know, I'm willing to admit that. But, um, back in the 90s, it was a renaissance of music. Uh, we got not only did we get the Wu Tang Klang, uh, we got, we got, uh, Tribe Called Quest, we got, um, um, You know we got big and we got Pac of course Um, so many good good original music uh, and they were all being who they were they possibly would that possibly would not get over right now but not only in hip hop but we got uh, Nirvana we had Stone Temple Pilots right Um, Rage Against the Machine who is the greatest rock band in the history of rock bands in my personal opinion and and I will debate anyone anyone um to the day i die that they are the greatest live rock band in the history of live music if i'm sorry hayes i'm pretty sure you've never seen rage against the machine live um and you probably never will at this point cuz they hate each other but um dude I, I saw wu-tang clan and rage against the machine live at 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 um what is it what's the name of the festival um rock bells here in in um in randall's island it was a hip hop festival rakim was there cypress hill Public Enemy, Rage Against the Machine, Wu-Tang Clan. So uh, Wu-Tang opened up for Rage, and Rage just tore it down. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I know we're talking about Wu-Tang. Uh, Wu-Tang Live, uh, isn't it, is it's great to see everyone together. And I never got to see Old Dirty Bastard along with them, so I guess I never got to see everyone together. But I saw everyone else together along with Old Dirty Bastard's son. So it, it kind of worked out that way. Red Man was on stage with them too. And um, it's, it's always great to see them that way. But as far as a live uh, uh, musical experience, I don't feel that hip-hop provides that so much sometimes unless they bring a live band with them. Uh, artists like Talib Kweli brings a live band with them. Uh, Most Def, I saw Most Def with a live band. Um, Snoop Dogg I saw once with a live band, and it was phenomenal. You know, So, I mean, I kind of need that uh, for a live musical experience. But back to Wu-Tang. Um, Wu-Tang Forever, we had a Triumph. And I don't know about how it was around the world. I don't, I don't know where you were at, how, how you saw that. But here, that was the only thing that mattered. You walked the streets of the Bronx, everybody had a Wu-Tang shirt on. Everybody. I mean, everybody. I mean, all right, so you know you've made it when the Africans down the block are bootlegging your shirts and that's what was going on. They were bootlegging Wu Tang shirts. Um, everybody was wearing a Wu Tang shirt. Everyone. It's it's one of the most iconic uh, symbols in entertainment, you know. A, a period. Period. Like it's. I have like three of them. Um, ben Hamin, my boy Ben Hamin, he has a, a Ben Hamin shirt with the Wu Tang uh, emblem on it. You know, you can go find that over at uh, what is it? Uh, Pro prowrestlingtees.com Ben Hamin. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, triumph, changed the game, and everybody was digging that video so much with the Killer Bees. The album was a double LP, double LP, world excited. What was that? It's Reunited. Uh, what's my other favorite track on that? I mean, there's so many favorite tracks, and it's what 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 else can I say about Wu Tang Clan, man? Come on, tell me something. I mean,
1: you you hit the nail on the head. Like it's it's probably one of the only groups where legitimately every member of that group you can make an argument for being what top 20 maybe artists of all time. Like as far as hip hop, like that just the way that they were all able to come together and towards the end of it, in the, in the most recent years, their, their, um, their ego has kind of gotten in the way and you started hearing some bickering between I think Risen and Raekwon specifically, but you know, they were able to come together and they, they completely changed the game. Like when you heard a Wu-Tang, song, whatever, whether you were, because, and I hate to date myself like this, but <laughs> when, um, when, when when Triumph came out, like, we used to have dances in the teen center where I lived, and nice. when that album came on, or that song, tra- that track came on, everybody, Everybody, it wasn't even about just dancing, but everybody was out there. They were singing along with it. It, it, it there's a mood that comes on that you get into if you listen to a lot of Wu Tang. Um, and it's, it still holds off to this day. And, you know, Triumph was, was great, but my personal favorite on that album was, uh, Cash Still Rules. Like, I don't know why. If someone asked me to this day, why do you love that song so much? I can't really say why, because there were better songs in an album, but it's just something about that record that, has always stuck with me like I listen to it all the time and uh yeah my, my son knows that for better or worse, he's eleven. my son knows that that song all through and through when it comes on because that's how often I play it
4: I, I feel you sometimes uh, there's a track on there that that isn't exactly i don't know that's not the the single but that's the one you end up loving the most uh um what, what can I a uh, clan in a front right in um in um on 36 chambers I dig that one a lot there's a there's a lot of them there's a, there's a lot of them that i that I just dig. But um, you want to talk about uh, every member and not every member of Wu-Tang stuck out, but so many of them did, you know. And uh, uh, now, I mean, normally when there's a group that comes out, there's somebody that sticks out one person and he goes off solo like NSYNC. Right. They had Justin Timberlake. He's the biggest thing ever. And then everybody else falls to the wayside. There's not a lot of times where everybody in the group uh has success. Right. You had the Beatles that everybody in the group has had success or, or the police, right? Everyone in the group, they're, they're, they're considered like pioneers at what they do. They're considered classical musicians, you know, Sting, Andy Summers, Stuart Copeland. Um, you know, that there's a, there's not too many bands like that. And Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang is that, you know, the RZA is a legendary producer. Um, the JZA, uh, one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, Liquid Swords. But I mean, good lord, that that album is on par, in my opinion, with Thirty Six Chambers. It's my favorite solo Wu Tang album. Um, Ghostface Killer is still doing it today, still doing it today, uh, and, and and at a ridiculously high level. He does not fall off. You know, uh, I mean, most recently when he got into the feud with Action Bronson, whom I really like, Action sounds like like Ghostface, you know, and um and they went back and forth at each other and and uh. And Ghostface had to tell him, "Hey, listen, I'm like, he's like, you can't compare to my pen." And and it's just, it's probably the truth, you know. Like he's just that good still. Um, those two or Rayquan. You know, I can't go on without mentioning Rayquan. I actually met Rayquan a couple of times, and he was super cool to me. Um, excellent. Right, Ra- Ra- Uh, only built for Cuban Links, one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Yeah. Uh, all dirty, all dirty. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hey, You got something to say? Yeah. That. The only built for
1: Cuban Links that would be my personal favorite solo album from the Wu Tang. Like yeah. I, I love it. The story that he, the, he, he completely had a different flavor from what the Wu Tang did, and he, he killed it. Like that album was just, it, it's an amazing piece of work. And Raekwon, the for, for a lot of what you're saying about Ghostface, too. At least to me, he's still up to that level. Like yes, he's not as mainstream. He, his records don't sell crazy like that, but. He's put out uh, some some stuff that's just been still high quality. The only built for Cuba Links 2 that he came out with when he was uh, signed to Dr Dre, I believe, is right up there as well like Raekwon to me per- just personally. It's him and Method Man are my two favorite solo acts from from Wu-Tang, but go ahead continue what you're saying.
4: No, you're not, you're not wrong about about Raekwon, you know. Um Raekwon hasn't put out records consistently like Ghostface has. That's the only thing. Like Ghostface keeps putting True. out records um like every every month you turn around there's a new Ghostface record. Uh, But no, um, Raekwon is still that dude. He is still that dude. Like he, uh, his style was so, I want to say distinct. Like when you heard a Raekwon rhyme rhyme scheme, you knew it was Raekwon off that just by listening to him. Like same thing with Ghostface, Um, Method Man. I don't want to, I don't want to stop without getting into Method Man because he's the reason I like Wu-Tang Clan. And while he may, he may not be the most uh, lyrical, his style and his flow and his swag, like he has ridiculous swag. Like he's just one of the coolest guys on the planet, you know. Like it's Method, Method Man. You can say a lot of things about Method Man, but he is just so damn cool. Like you, I wanted to be Method Man when I was a kid. You know, I'm like, damn, I want to be that guy. Like just because he was so freaking smooth, you know. And um, the song Method Man was one of my favorites, of course. But um, uh, To Cal, I got To Cal. I got that album. Um, to Cal too, I didn't dig so much. Um, and what he did with um with Redman, Blackout, and Blackout 2, excellent. And if you want to go see a hyped hip-hop live event, go see um Method Man and Redman together because they tear it down every time. I saw them, I want to say, in October of last year for the Masters of Ceremony. It was either October of last year or February of this year. I'm not 100%. Um, Masters of Ceremony, they headlined and they tore it down tore it down they had the barclays center jumping it was crazy um i've seen them several times i saw them at i had uh the playstation theater here in uh, in times square it used to be the nokia theater um and that's a really small room and they tore that down it's just anytime i get a chance to see uh, red mf i'm gonna do it you guys should do the same because it's an excellent excellent show red man is kind of an honorary wu-tang man because he hi- he hangs with them for so uh, so much and they've done so many songs he's pretty much an honorary wu-tang member but um, I love method man too that Hayes.
1: yeah i mean method man to me is is like he correct me if i'm wrong he was the first one to have a solo after 36 chambers i believe i, I was yeah. young then so but just a personal story about method man and me so my older sister me and her, I used to listen to her copy of 36 Chambers because I think I was like seven or eight at the time. But when Method Man's album came out, I begged her. We used to have this store on bass. It's called a PX. I'm like, You have to buy this for me. Dad's not going to let me get it. She's like, You're not getting me in trouble. I'm not buying it for you. I was like, Look, I will, wash the, I will wash your half of the dishes For the next month if you just take me to go buy this <laughs> She was like okay So then we listened to it as we're going back home We're listening to it she's like you know what you, you made A pretty good choice I'm like it's Wu-Tang She's like yeah I know but I, I didn't know what to Expect from Method Man and ever Since then and that's part of my appeal to Method Man Is that I was so young when I got attached To Method Man that it's just followed me Through Takao too was not that good I'll, I'll, I'll admit that right now But <laughs> to Takao was just such a such a, a awesome album that you know i think it carried him through um to cal oh the prequel that that was okay as well but you know just that and what he's done on the actual wu-tang albums too like you said that method man song is one of the best ones on the album and i think it's It's one of the only ones that just has one member on and he was able to carry that through i think method man he's not as lyrical but like you said his style is is unmatched and the fact that he worked in taking his intake breath into humming the uh, along with the beat and making that part of his verse. I just think that that's, that's a talent that goes unnoticed.
4: He's extremely talented. He's extreme. And I say, he's not lyrical. He's not that lyrical. It's not to say that he's not lyrical. Like he, he, he is enjoyable to listen to without a doubt. Just like, you know, the, his rhyme schemes and all. Uh, I I mean, as far as like the top notch uh, rappers, like he, I wouldn't put him among the top lyrical rappers, but, uh, but as far as overall impact and um, and a legendary status, I mean, he was the breakout guy from from Wu Tang. Like when you saw Wu Tang, everybody knew Method Man. Everybody. Then there's like, okay, old dirty bastard, and then everybody else followed afterwards. And everybody else got noticed afterwards because of their solo efforts. Um, and I, I don't I don't even want to say that everybody else got noticed off of Thirty Six Chambers. But Method Man was the the focal star. He was that guy. He was what. What WWE wants Roman Reigns to be of Wu Tang, you know that that's who he was. He he was that star. He had the star factor from the beginning. He, just looking at the guy, he's like, all right, that's the guy. And he had the breakout song, in my opinion. I, I think it's the best song on the album. I love, I love the entire album from top to bottom. You can make an argument that that's one of the top hip hop albums in the history of hip hop. Like I was arguing with some, not arguing, but having a a discussion about what the top five. Um, Hip hop albums of all time would be, and you know uh, we were tossing some around and thirty six chambers came up you know and some people don't feel like it's it should be there, I think it's without a doubt, I think it's a no brainer you know uh, what is it ilmatic thirty six chambers uh fuji's the score I dig, and this is around my time, so um you know that's just just to mention three, but um it's just a classic classic album, Wu tang is one of the 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 top level hip-hop artist of all time like when you think about hip-hop you're gonna think about what rakim you are gonna think about wu-tang Clan. i i, I want to say public enemy you're gonna think about big Pock and and as much as i i hate to say it jay-z you're gonna think about these guys you know um wu-tang is among them without a doubt
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then even to to go take that a little bit further is that, you know, everyone mentions the legacy that someone like Dr. Dre has someone like a Jay Z. And I think that RZA in a large part, goes unnoticed unless you're just a big fan of Wu-Tang or or you're familiar. But he had what he called his five-year plan. And basically, that whole first album, the whole first set of solo albums, the second album, was all something that he had planned out in his mind. That's why he was so heavy on production on all those albums, because he had an idea and a vision in mind on how to get all these guys over, in a sense. And I think when you look at that and look at everything that the Wu-Tang has done since then— like his legacy has to be up there with the Dr. Dre, maybe not because you just don't have some of the controversy that that you've had from from a Dr. Dre or, or the the act like Eminem's looked at as one of the the best rappers ever, the Snoop Dogg, but RZA, he's on that level to me for production and as well as just a plan. Like it's 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 a lot to say about his dedication to getting his team to where where he got him to to be able to just sit down like. Look at the body of work that he produced in that in that three to five year stretch. If Some people don't have that over their whole career and look at what he was able to do.
4: I, I think without a doubt, um, the RZA is up there with a the Dr. Dre. And I, I didn't mention Dr. Dre. I didn't mention The Chronic. That's one of the greatest albums of all time, too. Uh, and 2001, um, you know, like there's just, just great albums. What are you going to say? And I, I don't want to sound like I'm not giving any love to the West Coast because uh, the West Coast connection. Is one of my that first album is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. you want to talk about raw and uh and just have you ever heard that Hayes? Oh of course I have you wanna talk about raw, oh my <laughs> god ice cube and and oh man i mean th- that that entire album was just so hard hitting that was like hardcore hip hop um we that will that will never be duplicated. We don't have anything like that nowadays. It's just hip hop is soft at this point but um but yeah, like the the risk is definitely. In my opinion, one of the top five producers in hip hop history. So we got we got Dre, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got the Rizza. We got uh Pete Rock. Um I wanna say Q tip, but I, I wanna say Q tip, but that's debatable. I think uh, the number one, the greatest hip hop producer of all time is DJ Premier. Um uh I I don't think he's ever gonna be matched. The is just so damn good. Um but yeah, I think uh the Rizza is amongst that crowd without, hands down, my most recent, and it's been some time now, I think, uh, when did Kanye West come out with uh, My my Deep Dark Fantasy? I forget when, it's 2005? I I believe so, that sounds probably right. I I think he produced that track, right? My my my, my deep, I forget the name of the song. Uh, Anyway, The RZA produced that track, uh, and it's just so gorgeous, and I knew it off the bat, I remember I remember sitting at my job and one of my coworkers played it because um, uh, Kanye was that. He's still that dude. But at that time, everybody was anticipating this record. Uh, and uh, and he played that track, my my super deep, dark fantasy. I forget the name of it. And I just turned my head and I was like, that's a RZA beat, man. I'm like, that is a Wu-Tang beat. And I'm like, can you find out who produced that for me? And they came on looking for it be like, yeah, it was the RZA. You know, cause it's just such a beautiful track. Go, Can you get much higher? Just in case I'm I'm butchering the name, because I know I'm butchering the name. But that that's one of my favorite Kanye West um uh, tracks, and it was produced by the RZA. The, the RZA is just uh, timeless. He has his own signature sound. He was able to incorporate uh kung fu flicks into his sound, and and uh, one of the best at taking old R and B tracks from the 70s and flipping them into classic uh uh, hip hop tracks, uh, like, um, liquid swords for instance, man. Good Lord, man. What a beautiful, beautiful production. I just, I I can listen to the, to the instrumental over and over again and just play it. Like I'm the type of guy that likes to buy instrumentals. I got all of Dre's instrumentals just because, and, um, I do that for RZA. RZA came out with an album, the RZA beats. Um, and I, I got all that stuff too. Uh, just because that's that's just what I dig. Um, I'm, a, I'm I'm just a massive fan of Rizza. Who's your favorite Wu Tang uh, member? Um, Method Man, Method Man and Raekwon are kind
1: of one in one one A to me in my in my opinion. What about you? Uh,
4: yeah, RZA, bro, <laughs> it's the Rizza. I love the RZA. Um, I I I really really grew to love uh, Ghostface Killer over time. Uh, Nutmeg, love that song um it's that's one of my fa- and and the RZA didn't didn't produce that track and I thought for the longest that he did and he didn't but it's a beautiful freaking track um uh who else and and Method Man I got to say cuz I I um I wanted to be him at one point so <laughs> I, I think I got to place him up
1: there and then let's let's also while we're talking about RZA, let's mention his things outside of music like the guy has written and directed movies and TV shows like we we uh last episode we talked about the defenders and yeah. the RZA directed an episode of iron fist like like oh, man. Just, just just think about that like what, how talented do you have to be to be able to cross into a, a completely different realm of of media and entertainment to be able to direct an episode for marvel tv and marvel is one of the biggest production companies right now making tvs or films
4: i haven't seen iron fist um i i didn't hear good things about it uh and i am watching the defenders now i skipped all right, so I saw Daredevil which was excellent. I skipped uh Luke Cage which I got to watch. I, I don't want um Cooper to get on my ass for it. <laughs> um, so I I got to watch uh, Luke Cage after after your your review of it. I was like, all right, fine, I'll watch it. So I got to make some time for that. I haven't seen uh Jessica Jones and I didn't watch Iron Fist. I skipped straight to The Defenders. I'm five episodes in. I haven't finished it yet. And um not a big fan of 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 uh The Iron Fist character. I I don't like this kid. Um, It is what it is. But uh, now that you told me this, I'm probably going to have to watch the Iron Fist series just to see uh, the episode that The RZA directed. He also did an Afro Samurai soundtrack, um, which I dug a ton. Um, He's a a very versatile guy, Uh, a visionary in a lot of ways. I want to say I could be wrong, but I want to say they were the first hip-hop act if not the first the most prominent one to put out their own clothing line um because uh when they put out woo wear and i feel like after that everybody else did it too i could be wrong i, I don't know if anybody did it before them but that's the one i remember i don't know if you, if you know different Hayes.
1: hey i don't know which one it would have to it would, it would either have to be him or, or puffy like with uh I don't even Sean John. Like I, I would just think that I, I know nothing. I'm not basing that off any knowledge I have right now. It's just off the top of my head. But yeah, Wu Wear is definitely one of the first ones I remember. And I was, I was super young then. I had a pair of Wu Wear jeans that I used to love.
4: <laughs> I was, I was too broke, bro. I couldn't have a pair of Wu Wear jeans. But I did have, I do have several uh, Wu Tang shirts because I'm, I'm such a mark. So when I go out to a show, I purchase a shirt. So I, I have a, uh, I have several of those. Just it's, it's, there's certain things I didn't get to do in my childhood because we just didn't have the money to do it. Um, and, uh, Wu-Tang was one of them. So when I finally got the money to go do things like that, I, I went and saw Wu-Tang and I purchased shirts. Like I didn't get to see Hulk Hogan till I was in my twenties and he was like my favorite wrestler at the time. And I took, uh, my girlfriend, now my wife, and she came, she came with me to Madison Square Garden. So I could see Hulk Hogan, you know. <laughs> I lost my mind, like I was a little kid. I bought, I bought the shirt, you know. So it's, it's the same thing. I, I had to enjoy everything after the fact. Um, but I'll take it, you know. So I, I did buy some Wu Tang Clan shirts, but I didn't have anything else other than that. I completely
1: understand that. Like Wu Tang is just. Yeah, I mean, look, we've just been sitting here talking over 30 minutes about Wu-Tang and we could probably honestly go about another hour if we really wanted to unpack everything that they've done individually and collectively um, over their careers. But, you know, to kind of bring this all home, I got two questions I want to ask you. The first one is how excited are you about the new Wu-Tang album that's coming out?
4: Well, you know what? I'm not ridiculously excited because uh, Wu-Tang hasn't produced to the level that they had had before. Uh, in a long time so I'm not I'm not ridiculously excited like I would normally be about something like this uh I I don't even know if they should have put out. you know what was it eight diagram or nine diagram was it eight diagram nine diagram I think it was nine di- well whichever diagram it was it wasn't good um it was it wasn't a good album it just wasn't a good album and it was such a letdown for me because and I'm a Wu-Tang fan I don't want to see I don't want to see them do badly I don't, you know, and it may not be badly for them and it may not be bad for other fans. So I don't want to say badly, but, um, for me, it just didn't strike that chord. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not super optimistic about this. Uh, plus the Wu-Tang that I love will never be recreated, not even by Wu-Tang themselves. Uh, I think Wu-Tang at this point, at least in, in previous incarnations of Wu-Tang, they, they lack, uh, the, that grittiness that they had before, they still maintain some of it, but they they lack they lack that that hunger. I mean, they're all super successful, you know. They all have so much money, and I don't want to speak for them. I'm just saying, to me, it's like they it's not quite there anymore, you know. Oh yeah, but, um, it's, a, it's
1: always hard to recapture I, that.
4: Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I I I hope it's good. I'm definitely gonna buy it because that's just what I do. So I'm definitely gonna buy it and I, and I'll listen to it. I haven't heard the first single, which you said you've heard. Is it good in your oh, opinion? Yeah.
1: people say it's, it's really good. It's like I said um, on the last episode: is that don't look at it for the old school Wu Tang. Look at it as this is an evolution of them, and uh, it's Meth Red, and I think I think it's Giza. I think I think Genius is on it. I, don't quote me on that, but. Um, it's a very very good record. The production is amazing. Like that's what caught me in is that when you listen to the beat, and I need to try to find the instrumental for it. It's it's one that definitely draws you in, and you and you know it's a Wu Tang beat.
4: I bet I'm gonna go listen to that. Uh, the Kanye West track I was referring to is just Dark Fantasy. It's the first track off of that album. It's Dark Fantasy, and that that um, the RZA produced it. Um, I just have to throw that in there because I was butchering that name the entire time. Yeah. Go ahead, Hayes.
1: No, okay. And so the second question, and, and I did warn you about this, and this is a new new way I'm going to end the cypher from now on. If you had to pick the top five songs, and I know it would probably be vast, but the top five to go on the track list of your life, what would they be?
4: And, and you, when you asked me this earlier today, because you did prep me for this, I was like, when I saw it, it's like, damn, um, because... Uh, like you, I, I, I love music, right? And I've been to more shows than 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 I can even count. I've seen so much live music. It's just my thing. I, 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 an incarnation of me was in a band at one point. You know? So <laughs> um, I, I, I really, music is a large part of my life. So to narrow it down to five is really, really tough. And and I had never done anything like that before, so I'm going through what I'm thinking as far as music, and I'm like, man, I can't leave this out. I can't leave that out. So I, I came up with a list of like 15, but I'm only going to give you five <laughs> in the interest of time, right? So, all right. Um, but I, I also want to talk about real quick before we leave a couple of of, of hip-hop albums that I want to get out and talk about because they have the grittiness of of 36 Chamber, but we'll do that in a second. So um, I, I had, all right. Um... Okay. 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 So Prince, uh, when doves cry, love that track. It's it's probably my, I, I can't say I don't have a favorite, but if I had to pick, this would be one of them. Prince when doves cry. Um, I remember it when I was, I mean, I, I, was, I was fresh out of the womb, man. I think I was four years old when this came out, man. And, and, uh, dude, I, I, I can, I love Prince. That's one of the greatest albums of all time is the purple rain album, nine tracks of fire you know, and, uh, and, uh, when doves cry, it's just one of the greatest tracks of all time. No baseline, no baseline. It's it, <laughs> what else can you say about it? Uh, love that track. Uh, radiohead, uh, one of my favorite bands. I've seen them so many times, uh, fake plastic trees, something about that song, um, just touches my soul. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, Hayes. I'm sure you are. Cause you're pretty well-rounded when it comes to music, but, um, Jesus, man, I, I love Radiohead, one of the best live bands I've ever seen, and and they still put out albums consistently at a very high level, but Fake Plastic Trees um, was off of their second album, The Bends," and um, it moves me. That song moves me. Live performances of that song are magical. Um, let's see. I want to give a big shout out to El Gran Combo de Puerto Rico. This is uh, a salsa music, but it's... All right, so for those of you who don't know El Gran Combo, they're the equivalent of Earth, Wind, and Fire for for the Latin community. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire is one of the greatest bands of all time, and this is what El Gran Combo is. So they had a song, El Menu. It's called The Menu. Um, it's a lot about, mu- about, uh, about um, food, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. I got to see them for the first time uh last november i saw a grand combo with my parents at madison square garden it's something i will never forget uh i know you probably don't know what this is Hayes, but i'm gonna send it your way <laughs> give it a listen you might not hate it um how many i got i got three right you got three so far i got three okay what's this um the beatles in my life i love Ooh, that yes. song oh yeah i love that song it's it's um it's such a beautiful beautiful track and, and there's a, th- a theme to this. Like if you listen to a lot of these songs, they're kind of depressing. I like depressing music. I love Nine Inch Nails because they depress the crap out of me. I don't, I don't know why that is. I'm not a depressing type of guy. I just like depressing music. And I love In My Life because it's it's kind of depressing, but it's beautiful at the same time. And it's kind of happy, too. Love John Lennon. Love the Beatles. Um, And uh, Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, even though uh, this isn't an original Jimi Hendrix song, I love the Jimi Hendrix version of it. I heard it for the first time when I was watching Forrest Gump, uh, and uh, I was like, wow, what is that? And I went back and got the Forrest Gump soundtrack, and and uh, Jimi Hendrix was on it, um, and it was Hey Joe, and I thought it was fucking amazing. And um, I went back and got Jimi Hendrix after that and got into Jimi Hendrix. So there you go. That's five. I could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> but that's yeah, I five. mean,
1: yeah, there's, th- that question could almost be its own segment by itself. If you ask somebody something like that, um, yeah. But definitely send me send me that song you you were talking about because I I haven't heard it before. But I'm open to all types of music, as you know. Um, yeah. Johnny Cash is probably one of my favorite artists of all time, and at some point I'm going to talk about him on this podcast. Um, but thank you for that. And so there was a um, there
4: was a few albums you wanted to shout out before we go ahead and. In, uh, oh in man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Hayes. Thanks for the opportunity, man. Uh, all right. So I love Johnny Cash too. I got into Johnny Cash way later, though. Like as a grown man, I started getting into more stuff, and that's that's why I like Johnny Cash now. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with um, with uh, Jedi Mind Tricks. Uh, Violet by Design is the first album. Jedi Mind Tricks. It's an underground hip hop band. Do you know them? I do. I know Jedi Mind Tricks. Not extensively,
1: uh, but I have heard some of
4: their music. All you need to do is listen to the first album. It recaptures that grittiness of of a uh, thirty six chamber of just raw music. And Vinny Paz is one of the best, uh, one of my favorite lyricists. Just so freaking good. Just the just a good, good um good album. And of course, specifics. And I said that to you um, earlier. I think last week. That's I I was digging through the crates and I found specifics. Like I, you had to go deep to dig for this hip-hop group specifics it's called they're from canada um and this guy is just, they're just so slept on it's incredible his name is think twice he's one of the greatest producers i've ever heard uh, and i i'm not exaggerating when i say that i i just dig that so much i got they only have two albums out they're on itunes go get them um if you're a hip-hop fan like i mean a hardcore 90s hip-hop fan you're gonna like this album that's it Hayes? Hayes. Hayes is gone or I'm gone. No, I'm sorry about that. I had some internet <laughs> connection issues. Go ahead. It all right. That's it, bro. I'm good. I, I I think I finished up unless you missed something.
1: No, no, I didn't miss anything. Uh, But yeah, so Billy Ray, as always, man, you you already know. We're podcast brethren. You know how much I appreciate just your help throughout all my, my ventures and the motivation and everything. But as we go ahead and get ready to leave again, tell the people where they can find you and listen to the infinite fringe and the PW hustle.
4: Hey, thank you for uh, allowing me to be on your show. I really, I really dig the show and I'm, I'm glad I could be on and I would love to be on any other time that you can have me. If the schedule works, I'm there. Um, um, you can find me over at, uh, Obi-Wan, you know me on Twitter. Um, I'm not a very active Twitter guy, but, um, I do. Lock on at least uh, twice or three times a week, man. So if you want to hit me up, hit me up there. Um, You can also catch me over at HackerHameen.PowerBeam.com. We do a little show called The PW Hustle. It's not regular, but uh, when we do do it, it's fun. Along with H-Track Brown and the Professor Chabelo Vela Cruz. Go check that out. Um, I also uh, do work for Bill Abder over at OneWrestling.com. You can go check that out. We pretty much predict every WWE pay-per-view um so go check that and of course the infinite fringe which is my baby um over at truth frequency radio you can find it on the infinite i have different kind of content up there it's uh, supposed to be a different show altogether from what's on uh iheart radio even though i haven't been able to do that yet but i will and um there you go that's it that's all there is to it man um follow me hit me up hate me if you hate me tell an enemy if you love me, tell me. I'm cool with it. all right?
1: <laughs> well, Billy Ray, thank you, thank you again for showing up, man. Thank you for taking time out your busy schedule to talk some hip hop with me. Luckily, we got to talk about Wu Tang Clan and not some silly like the Migos. But I definitely appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> hey,
4: I hope we didn't go too long, man. I appreciate you uh, and uh, you know my uh, my podcast family. Definitely, definitely, man. Whenever you need something, I'm there. All right, brother.
1: All right. Shout out to the one and only Billy Ray Valentine. No one does it like Billy Ray Valentine does. Like, I respect that man so much. Not just on even, like, this podcast and shit is just an aside to that. Like, the more I've gotten to know that guy, the more I've gotten to talk to him, picked his brain, just the whole way he breaks stuff down. And he's destined to do great things. Like, and I don't, I, you rarely hear me say that about anyone. Like I, I keep what we talk about on podcasts, I kind of keep it on topical or what I know about them, but, um, Billy Ray, um, if it's not him, he's going to touch somebody who's going to do something huge. Like it, it's going to be direct correlation. I, I, that guy, he's just, he's one of the best people to talk to. One of the smartest people I've seriously have. Ever talk to? Uh, check out this podcast, The Infinite Fringe. Anyone who likes uh, rep pro wrestling, check them out on the PW Hustle. But you know, to get back, we, we are getting ready to get into. Uh, that was a great cipher, by the way. We're getting ready to get into an interview. Um, I don't really have a name for it because it's not necessarily a segment. But we're going to get into some more music. On the other side of that, we're going to have. Uh, this is CEO's first actual interview um but we got like i said the biggest interview of my life is at the very end of the show but this next one is definitely a, a important interview to have it, it's it started off as being one about a calendar that someone wanted to promote but it, it grew into there's part of, of that conversation that is much larger than that so definitely check that
3: out. fast comes
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are welcoming a special guest to the Awakened Soul podcast. Um, I, you know, I, w- I would do a big elaborate intro, but her voice is just so lovely. I'm going to let her do it herself. How are you doing today?
0: I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all
1: right. And tell the the listeners a who you are, and then tell them a little bit about yourself.
0: Um, I go by AJ. That's what everyone calls me. Um, I am a model, I am a fashion designer. Um, the purpose of this interview today is to promote a calendar, a plus size BBW calendar that I am part of, that will be released on November the 1st called Penthouse Elites. It,
1: that is why we're here, <laughs> that is why we're here. So um, <laughs> how'd you, how How long have you been in modeling?
0: Um, honestly, it's kind of weird. Uh, I was a model up until, sorry, from 2004 to 2009. And then um, I launched my business, as I mentioned, I'm a designer. So I kind of um, put my energy and focus into that and stopped um, modeling for a number of years until recently, uh, I was contacted by an entrepreneur through Instagram and uh, she had presented an opportunity for me to be uh, a featured model in the calendar that is promoting um, plus size beauty and uh, positive body image. So it seems that I'm once again back into <laughs> the world of modeling.
1: It all comes back around,
0: doesn't it? It most certainly does. <laughs>
1: so as far as the calendar, let, let's talk about the calendar uh, for a little bit, yes. which is the, the main part of why we're here. Um, well, you already said how you got started in the calendar and the vision for it and everything. But ultimately, like what what would you like to see come out of this calendar? What 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 who are some of the other models that are in it? And uh When can we expect to see it?
0: Okay. Um, So some of the models that are in it, um, there is Shay, who is one of the models. She's also one of the managers. And there is also Callie, who is one of the model managers. Um, There are four other young ladies who are modeling as well. Um, Sweetie, D. Oh my goodness. You're having me remember names right now. This is Mm -hmm. terrible. Um, Ivory and... Sorry, I don't have the entire list. Okay. But there are are, uh, six of us in total. Um... For me personally, um, there's a lot of stigmatisms that are attached to plus size women, BBWs, uh, SS BBWs, which are supersized, big, beautiful women in case of, for those who don't know. Um, so the point of the calendar is to showcase and highlight women of all sizes, voluptuous women of various sizes. Um, and for people to, to understand that beauty is not just in one size, it's not a straight size, it's not a a moderate, intermediate size. You can be a size 20 and be as sexy and beautiful and healthy as someone who is a size 10. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's an important message to get across. I think, you know, you hear a lot about, um, people's attraction to BBWs lately, but even more so than that, positive body image and, and having that mindset is very important. And everyone should have, everyone should be comfortable in who they are and, uh, not feel judged, which is, you know, us as it, Americans. And, and,
0: it, Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, sadly. Um, And and you're absolutely right. Um, There's become this movement of, I can't even pronounce it properly. Fetish, fetish, fetishizing. Did I say
1: that right? Yeah, You're smiling. I think so. (laughs) You got me confused now.
0: Uh, Right. So basically that fat women have become this fetish. Um, And it's interesting. I was having a conversation with uh, a woman that lives out in, sorry, I'm in Canada. I never mentioned that. Um, I'm Jamaican-Canadian, but I was born in Jamaica, raised in Canada. Anyhow, I was having a conversation with a woman that lives out in Nova Scotia, and she had mentioned to me um, the difficulty that she's having in dating because of her size. She says there, there are a number of men who will solicit her attention, but they're interested in her because of her fat. Because of her size, they're not actually interested in dating her for any other reason. So when I asked her to explain it further, it basically was that they're interested in having sex or sexual intimacies with her, but they won't go out to the movies. They won't go out to eat. They won't be seen in public with her. And to me, that's, I don't know. It, there's got to be a, a better word than deplorable, but I've never heard anything like that. And, and, um, over the past couple of months, I've, I've noticed that it's really a, a big thing. Like there are people who, for them being with a fat girl, smothered by a fat girl, sat on by a fat girl, you know, hugged and rubbed up with a fat girl is it's like a whole big thing. Uh, And there's a market for it, which is even just a whole other conversation and strange to me. Um, But in this calendar, we have women who are, um, I would say like a size 12 up to a size 2022, you know, big, beautiful, strong black women, um, as I said, of various sizes and, and the calendar is meant to promote body positivity. You know, it's, it's a calendar. Um, but also too, that you can be sexy at any size. It's not limited to being that the, the ideal pinup size of a size eight or a size 10. Like there's no such thing as that, you know? Absolutely. Beauty shouldn't have a size.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's, that, that could be almost a whole episode in of itself. If we really get to cracking open the whole like like you said the the desire people have to be with plus size women but not really dating one which you know, it I am working on an episode which um we're gonna talk about a lot of mental health issues and other things like that in the uh specifically in the black community. I'm working on nailing that down and getting that um going on, but that kind of falls into all that too. It's just it's just you find a lot of people who are not really being comfortable being themselves in public, which I don't know. I've I've said that before, I think on my first episode. I've never had that problem not to go gloat or anything, but I'm very comfortable in who I am. So it's always weird to me uh, to see see people who just are just not comfortable being them in public. And it's like, hey, just be you. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. If they don't like it, so be it. But um,
0: but it, it's hard when you live in a community or you live in a society that tells you that that's wrong. Um, I watched a video probably last week of a, a, a young lady. She was maybe a size. She was easily 300 pounds, let's say. Uh, and she was doing a hip hop routine. And Mr. Hayes, she danced her ass off. Like everybody along the sidelines were like half her size and they gave her a standing ovation they had to. Like she killed it. And there's a stereotype that, you know, if you're big, you can't dance. If you're big, you can't move. If you're big, you can't do yoga. You can't bend. You can't stretch. You can't be a a calendar model. You can't wear lingerie. You can't all of these things that you can't do. Um, and for people who are not, like you say, confident and comfortable in themselves and with a society that's continually beating you down about that, it's it's definitely hard. Um, you know, I'm a size 13, 14. I'm not considered to be a plus size, a true plus size, or considered to be big. I personally think that I am because I don't fall into a standard size. But even my daughter, my daughter's a a size 18-20. And she's always says to me, you know, like mom, I don't love my body, and I says, I say to her, "You have to love your body because it's the only one that you have. Until you're willing to do something to change it, you have to love it. It's yours."
1: Wow, that what's left to be said after that's a hell of a quote. That's absolutely true. Um, you just blew my mind with that a little bit, but you know that's a good thing. And in, in all the problems, <laughs> no, you're you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, so I mean, is there anything else as far as? just anything that you want to get off your chest off your mind before we get ready to wrap up and let you plug your uh, the calendar that's about to come out
0: um no I, I thank you for this opportunity to share what it is that we're doing with the calendar um yeah it's just a great opportunity it's a great opportunity to actually talk to you. your po- your podcast is dope I am completely caught up in all my series I'm, I'm up to four anxiously awaiting number five um I'm actually looking forward to the discussion that you're the discussion piece that you're gonna do on uh, mental health issues a very good friend of mine and I we're having a conversation about that um, because his sister has been recently diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So the family's having a very hard time dealing with that. And then coming from a Caribbean um, background, we don't talk about those things like ever. Yeah. If you have somebody, they call them mad people. If you have mad people in your family, you don't see them. You don't talk about them like ever, 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 ever. So I'm actually excited and really looking forward to this particular podcast. It's going to be coming up about mental health issues. Oh, thank
1: but you. But outside of that, <laughs> No, I was just going to say that. I mean, that that's when I when I started this podcast, it's I mean, look at the title. It's the awakened soul. And people take that title and automatically think, oh, he's jumping on the stay woke bandwagon. And it's not just about that. It is truly about, you know, awakening something in your soul as far as like whether it's things you may not have realized about yourself, things you may not have realized about other people. It's It's all about. Like I say, I've, I say it almost on every episode is provoking thought and conversation. It's taking something deeper and it's deeper than surface level. It's at the soul level. And then people don't realize that. And my pastor has a saying that I say all the time. And, you know, people who aren't really spiritual don't get it. But you're not really dealing necessarily with people or bodies or, or whatever. A lot of the times the, the issues and, and things that you connect with people, you connect with souls, And people don't really think about it like that. Like, yes, you can you can surface level have a conversation with somebody. But when you really connect with somebody, it's 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 on a soulful level that you're connecting with them on. And that's what I hope to do with this podcast.
0: You're connecting with their spirit and their energy. I I completely agree with that. It's like when you say to somebody, like, I'm not really feeling that person's energy or I'm not really feeling that person's spirit. Like people think it's like, it's some sort of like voodoo, hoodoo, whatever, but it's not like, we are all comprised of energy. We all have a soul. Like there are some people that you immediately connect with some people that you have to kind of work your way around to an understanding of them to get to that point. And then some people just based on their energy, based on their spirit, based on their soul, you will never connect with them. And and that's a good thing. It wards you off sometimes of bad things and evil. People just don't always pay attention to it.
1: Exactly. And, and also like part of what I want to do this podcast is I want people when I say I want to generate conversation. I don't mean just I want people who agree with me to reach out to me and say, oh, yeah, I like what you talked about in this. I want people who fundamentally, if you disagree with something that I said on the podcast, reach out and talk to me. That's where the growth is, because I can walk away learning something from someone who disagrees with me and hopefully they walk away with a different understanding as well. And that's where you get growth from. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't understand. That. I think we live in a society now where everybody wants to pack off into people who think and do the same things they do. And anyone who doesn't do that is automatically wrong or, or, you know, they, they kind of shun away from that. Let's embrace our differences because that's what's going to ultimately make us better people. So that's just my mindset. But you know, everyone who doesn't think like that, I'm, I'm weird. I've been told. So it is what it is there. You are. <laughs> <weird. laughs> But all right. As we get ready to close, just one more time. Tell the people where they can find you and they can also uh find the calendar and, and reach out and, and support what you guys have going on there.
0: Okay. Um so I am on Instagram as badass underscore Jones underscore. The managers of the calendar are at Shay Da Dollface, S-H-A-Y-Y-D-A-D-O-L-L-F-A-C-E, and then Cali underscore original 316. Um, there's information that's listed on any of the models pages in terms of how you can purchase a calendar right now. We're doing a promo special, uh, where the calendars are on sale for $10 until the beginning of November when the, which is the official release date. And then after that, the calendars will be $20 and 99 cents. Um, you can pay through PayPal, you can pay through Western union and there's one other payment method that I can never remember. So please forgive me. Um, yeah, and that's my, that's my shtick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. AJ, so much for joining me on the awakening. So anytime that you want to come back on any topic, let me know. You're more than welcome. Uh, people definitely reach out to her support, support this calendar. It's, it's, it may be just a calendar. It looks like on the surface level, but there's a deeper message there and there. Hopefully, you know, it, it does bring awareness to certain things. So again, thank you so much for joining me.
0: My absolute pleasure.
1: <laughs> All right. That was, that turned out way deeper than i originally thought that that interview was going to go and you know that's what we like to do here at the awakened So um we're getting ready to get into our last segment for today like i said this is by far the biggest interview i have ever done in my life it's one of the most important ones i've hyped this up since the beginning of the show you guys will see why it's going uh it's going to be fairly short interview Only about 10 minutes. Uh, We're going to go ahead, as I, you know, I I love introducing as much music as I can on this podcast. We're going to go ahead and get into some music. On the other side of that, it's Hayes' biggest interview. M. I hope you
2: grow up to become that everything you can be That's all I wanted
1: for you, young and like father, like son But in the end, I hope you only turn out better than me I hope Whoa. you know
2: I love you, young and like father, like son My little man, you think it's coming, Whoa. coming, you think it's coming I tell you, Whoa. and when they come, just keep it running, running just keep it running they I say run. every time somebody died child is born so i thank the nigga who gave his life for the birth
1: of my son listeners of the awakened soul we have a very special interview for you guys today um today i'm going to be interviewing someone who's very close to me his name is xavier xavier say hello to the people what's up and tell the people who you are to me
3: well i'm a. My, I'm a son of his.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is my 11-year-old son, Xavier. Zay. Yeah? Okay. So I wanted to interview you on this. I wanted to have you on the podcast because you know me and you are super close. And I wanted to add something personal to the podcast. So I'm going to ask you one question. This one's going to be tough. I need you to answer this as best as you can, okay? Okay. What's the hardest part about being my son? Mm, nothing.
3: Nothing I know of.
1: Nothing? So it's like, is how, how hard I am on you, does it ever bother you sometimes? Mm-mm. Why doesn't it bother me? Mm, I just know
3: that you're always there for me.
1: And you know I want you to be the best person possible, right? Right. And you know, being a Johnson, it means a lot to me, right? You know you know what our last name means to us and the legacy that's in our name and how high of a regard I've always told you you should hold yourself in it, right? Right. So, like, does being... Because I always tell you you're a prince. Like, so do you carry that with you? ever? Like, when, you, when you're away from me, you, when you're at school, when you're amongst your friends, do you ever feel like maybe you act a little differently than them because of how i raised you kind of kind of does it does it does it is it a bad different or is it a good different good it's a good different Mm -hmm. because you know like you have a level of calmness about you and you know everyone says you're very much like me in the sense that you're quiet but when you do say something you have something to say it's very meaningful and poignant you're a very intelligent young man which i can't say enough good things about that and how much i love you and how important it is to me that the man you're developing into every time i see you with you with your younger siblings or how you are with older people like you have a such a pure heart as far as helping people and you know i I always look at you and i say okay i know i'm doing something right
3: (laughs) (laughs) you're always doing something right so
1: uh, no i mean seriously like it it does it means a lot to me you know i was i was only 19 when you were born i wasn't even fully a man (laughs) then. So, to see you now, developing into the man you are, it just, it's humbling, and it's a good thing, and I'm so proud of you, and everything that you're accomplishing, and everything that you're overcoming, like, you have no idea. I know I don't talk a lot, I know that may make it difficult to be my son, but... it's not, my, it's not very difficult.
3: Well, I just,
1: I, I, I just, you know, I love you. I love you too, darling. love you more than you possibly could ever imagine. Um... So, I asked you what's the hardest thing about being my son, even though you copped out on trying to give a real answer. What's the best thing about being my son?
3: Like, it's that I just get to spend a lot of time with you.
1: It's us spending time together is important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, always, you know. All right, so, you just started middle school, which I couldn't be happier about. <laughs> what, what's, what's been the biggest difference between middle school and elementary school?
3: well it was a good and bad for me the good is that I get to switch classes mm-hmm.
0: the bad thing is that I don't get to have
1: recess oh you're grown now boy we don't get recesses man but uh <laughs> so uh, band you know music is very important to me you are in band class which I'm proud of but you didn't play the saxophone like your old man <laughs> like uh, okay i'll play i'll play no 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 you got to pick your own paths and so but what instrument tell the people what instrument you did pick trombone and what made you pick the trombone i
3: just look i just
1: think those look very cool They look very cool so that's why you <laughs> wanted to pick i mean hey that's fine <laughs> but uh i mean that's just your first instrument you know your dad knows how to play two and a half instruments <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure you're gonna add more and more as as it goes on, and as you go through band, um, okay. So you're you're the oldest. You're my oldest. What's what's the best thing about being a big brother, and the worst thing about being a big brother?
3: Well, the good thing is that I'm always there with my, for my siblings. What well, it's I'm always there for my siblings, and uh, bad thing is they just drive
1: me crazy. <laughs> that's the thing about being the oldest they're always going to drive you crazy and there's going to be a time or times where i'm not around and they're going to come to you for advice because you're the oldest mm. how does that make you feel like you're you're younger you're, the youngest sibling you have is the eight-year gap between you and him <laughs> so right. you know that that means that a lot of the things that he's going to go through by the time he reaches middle school you're going to be an adult so he's going to come to you for advice because it's going to be easier to talk to you than talk to me necessarily why is that? Because I'm, I mean, it's always, I think that kids always, they will they will be more open and honest with their siblings than their parents sometimes. So, you know how I am with Shine and Katricia, my sister. So, mm-hmm. that's how you and your brother are going to be. Like, there's going to be times where he comes to you <laughs> because he doesn't want me to fuss, or he's going to come to you for advice, and you're going to have to teach him how to drive because I refuse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, you're a great big brother. You're a great big brother. Um, Thank you, Daddy. And so, I mean, that's it. That's pretty much all I wanted to talk to you about. I just wanted to pick your brain because you are such a nice, handsome, intelligent young man. (laughs) And uh, I know you guys can't see him, but he's dabbing all over the place right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I can't resist. (laughs) All right, so before we leave, tell the listeners uh, just just one thing about you that most people don't know.
3: Well, what most people don't know is that I have an awesome
1: family. <laughs> I think that's pretty <laughs> evident, son. But thank you so much. I love you. You ready to go, uh, go to Dave and Buster's? Yep. All right, let's <laughs> ride out. Come on. All
3: right.